This series called uh, Declutter Your Heart came from the, uh, not too long ago. I mentioned this last week, but in case you weren't here, by the way, we don't have a live feed tonight. Our little box little thing that does the live feed, it decided to go on vacation. So we're in the process of getting a new little box that does the live feed. It will be posted. So once it's posted, thank you guys for sharing the, sharing the post and the feed. And, and those of you that are watching right now, even though we're not live, thank you for watching. And if you'll just click right down there, share, we sure, sure would appreciate it. But I was cleaning up my garage and if you weren't here last week, I talked about trying to get my trash can out, and it's just me. I'm the only one that lives in my home, and uh, this garage is a two-car garage. My car fits in there, but there's like all the, my garage sale stuff and my treasure junk, as my siblings used to call it, on one side of the garage, and then the trash cans on the other. So I was trying to get the trash out, and I couldn't get it out without scraping against my car. So I like, I can't scrape my car with a stupid trash can. So I had to pull out the recycle bin first. And then I had to, then I could get the other one out and put the recycle bin back. And I thought how irritating. And just the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, Jonathan, all of the stuff that's in this garage, you put there. And so I couldn't complain that somebody else had come and messed up my garage or cluttered up my garage. The reality was that everything that was in there from top to bottom, end to end, front to back, was stuff that I single-handedly put in there. And I wonder how much of the stuff in our heart that we complain about and we gripe about, oh, I'm going to get personnel, that we pray to the Lord about, I wonder how much of the stuff in our heart God is speaking to us and saying, that, all that stuff that's in there, you put in there. And I, I, you can pray and you can believe me, but until you decide to clean it up and get rid of the clutter to declutter it, it's really not going to go anywhere. It would be foolish for me to uh, go into my garage and get irritated every time I open it and know, in the, re, know the reality is that it's only going to change if Jonathan does something about the clutter that's in his garage. And, you're, and our hearts are no different. That until we make that decision that I'm going to declutter my heart, we really shouldn't have an expectation that anything should be different. So I want to do two things tonight, and the, two, two different topics. So one is to the clutter of unforgiveness. And so as you, if, if you were here last week, I went and I found a little uh, heart backpack so maybe you don't have a garage, but most of us have been uh, our backpack days, and you've ever been looking for something in your backpack, and you're pulling stuff out like, what is this from? Like freshman year uh, papers in there, and, 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 and uh, what do you call it, a Pop-Tart that's been crushed into a million pieces. And you're like, why is this still in my backpack? And so you may not be able to, uh, what do you, relate to a cluttered garage, but we, oh, I brought my... This was such a cute little one last week, so time was last week, but I thought it was kind of cute. But we're the only ones that can blame about the clutter that we have in our hearts and in our backpack. So what about the clutter of unforgiveness, that painful, that stickery, that be careful around, occupied place of our heart of unforgiveness, uh, towards something that's been done to us. Let's go into Matthew right here. Let me, I'm going to need you in a second there. Backpack. Matthew 6 says, uh, forgive us as the Lord's prayer. It says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. 
and we're real familiar with the first part of that, that God, that you would forgive us our sins, but then we kind of mumble through the second part as we forgive those who sin against us, and the two go hand in hand. Your first feeling is this, forgiving when you've been wrong should be as natural as seeking the Lord for forgiveness. That when Jesus taught us to pray, he coupled together that when we seek the Lord's forgiveness, we should also have in our hearts and in our prayers forgiving others. Now, it's easy for me to believe that God will forgive me, but it's not as easy for me to take the step of that I was designed in the same manner to forgive others. By the way, if you need a handout, raise your hand and we'll get that to you as quick as we can. Your next feeling, you were never designed to hold to unforgiveness. Is it a, isn't it a wonder that so many people harbor unforgiveness and then it manifests in their world and in their life and in their happiness and they wonder, why am I so unhappy why am I so unfulfilled? Why do I have struggle with life and struggle with, with just finding meaning and fulfillment? And you ask them, have you forgiven so-and-so? Have you forgiven that situation? They say, I can never forgive that. And, and I think it's safe to say that if we harbor unforgiveness, if we don't let go, can I, can I go back to it for a second? If, we, if our prayers don't say, God, forgive me, as I forgive other people, if those aren't in the same vein and in the same thought and in the same breath, then it is a natural occurrence that our hearts will be cluttered by unforgiveness. Um, in, in Psalms, did I skip a fill-in by any chance? Going to Psalms, it should say Psalms. Okay. If you, Lord, keep a record of sin, who could stand? That what would happen to us is at the end of our life, we stand before the Lord and God says, here's all the sin in your life. And your response would be, but I, but I believe that the blood of Jesus washed over me. I believe that the blood of the lamb forgave me. And that would be the truth. And that is going to be the reality. But we don't have that same level of faith when it comes to that I should also stand before the Lord in the same manner of being forgiven, that I'll stand before the Lord and say, God, I forgive what's been done wrong to me. And I think that's the expectation of, of the heart of God for our lives, is that as he freely forgives us, that we in the same manner freely begin. Because if, 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 he held a, if he held a record of our sin, the psalmist said, there's no way I could stand. And in the same way, if we harbor unforgiveness for being done wrong, then how can we stand? That the Lord established that holding on to hurt keeps everything apart. That when Jesus prayed the Lord's prayer and he talked about your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, that there would be this prayer of the marriage of the atmosphere of heaven to the atmosphere of earth and that his will would be, would be done. But I, I think it's safe to say that if we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, that the atmosphere of heaven will never manifest itself to us. Because we're not, and I'm jumping ahead of myself. Can I help you with something? This is simple, but it's helped me so much. Let people be people. 
that many times when we've been hurt by someone, that we've held that person to an unreasonable standard. That we've held that person to a standard that we probably could not fulfill. Let me just give an example. Maybe you've been hurt by a parent, a, a, a mom or a dad or a relative or, some, or somebody in your life that, that because they were related to you, you thought they should have known better than to hurt me in such a manner. And, and, and God's saying that it doesn't matter who they are and what their relationship is to you, the design of your heart is to forgive and let people be people. Don't hold them to an expectation and to a standard that really, quite honestly, we couldn't live to ourselves. Forgive and lower the expectation of people's responses. I, I hate to be the one that's going to break this to all of us, but we are all going to be hurt again. We are all going to be disappointed in the future. We are all going to be let down in the coming days, some way, somehow. But if you set your heart that you lower the expectations of what, what people do and who they are, then when that hurt comes, the opportunity to forgive and to let go becomes so much easier because you've not placed a standard on them that, that is, it, it's just, it's amazing what we will say to people in our lives that, let, let me help you with this, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to another thought here, but you don't have to excuse, but you do have to forgive. Something lost, mom. <laughs> Kleenex? We're hiding them on the front row right there. <laughs> Who's got a booger? Sammy, you got a booger back there? You got boogies? Huh? Are they green? <laughs> now, you know, y'all don't know what I do in my classroom when somebody goes for a Kleenex. You got boogies? No, Mr. Moore. Why are you getting them tissue then? Because I need to blow my nose. Then you got boogies. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing sacred in my classroom. I have no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> you don't have to excuse, but you do have to forgive. I think that some people have thought that if I forgive, then I have to just forget. That if I forgive, then I have to just excuse the, the, the response toward me. And that's not the expectation. That's not the heart of God, that we just excuse people's recklessness. That's not it. But when I forgive, then it's something, I'm trying to get somewhere. Forgive me because I'm jumping all around. Forgiveness releases you from the mental bondage of hurt and disappointment. There's the key. That you don't excuse the behavior. But when you forgive, it releases you of the mental bondage that comes with harboring unforgiveness. And so whether that person responds positive or negative or any way at all, maybe they're not even around anymore that that forgiveness releases the mental bondage, the thought process bondage in our lives. In John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9, it's very familiar. It says, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, then God is faithful and just. And this is the Amplified. It says, he's true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me, let me show you something really quickly. When it comes to sin and in our lives, God is always just with wrongdoing. Can I take it a step further? That God is always just with my wrongdoing. That even though I am forgiven and even though all 
I am released from all my wrongdoing that there a price still had to be paid for my wrongdoing. And so two things, one that he's just, he's just in the fact that my sin was paid for by the blood of Jesus. He's just. And then the second part is that part of that is that he's true to his own nature. And his own nature is to be is forgiving. His own nature is to release people from the penalty and the weight of the things that they've done wrong. That Jesus paid the full penalty for everything that I've done wrong. That he's just. It would be one thing if God just said, oh, well, so be it. You're human. You're going to make mistakes. That's not the way he is. He's just. That every single one of our shortcomings, every single one of our sins has to and had to be paid for. Thank God it was. It was paid through Jesus But in the same way that he is a God of justice, he's true to his nature, and his nature is to release and let go of wrongdoing. Forgiveness brings me into the same nature as God's heart. That so many people want to touch and touch the heart of God, but they don't want to let go of disappointment. But when I let go of disappointment, when I forgive, when I, when I walk away from something that I want to harbor, it's then that I re- receive and am in the nature of God's heart. Can I, can I let you in on something? That people will disappoint. I think if we just get a hold of, of, of those two things, that one, that people will be people and they will disappoint no matter how close you are to them, no matter how much you value them, no matter what they mean to you, no matter how much, how close your relationship or related by blood, friendship, whatever, that people will disappoint. People will hurt you. And this is, this is a freeing thought right here. People will hurt you and they won't even have a clue. Have you ever had that happen where somebody did something wrong to you? And it, I mean, it really impacted you. It really affected you. And you find out or figure out they don't even know. They don't even realize, it's, it's, not even, it's not even on their radar what they did. And it's then, we honestly, we don't try, I'm gonna seek justice, I'm gonna get in their face, I'm gonna let them know, I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. And that's just not the heart of God. The heart of God, the nature of God is to, is, to, is to let it go. Watch this real quick, I love this in Matthew. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me tie it together with this, that treasuring a free heart, treasure a free heart that doesn't hold on to wrong. That when you place, that that when your treasure is letting people be people, when your treasure is letting go of the wrong that's been done to you, when that's where your treasure is, when your treasure is that, that, that nature of God, then God says, Uh, you'll have a free heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're most like God when we just let it go. And if you think about all the ones that have ever lived, that Jesus paid the full price and the penalty for everything that all humanity would ever do wrong, that God's nature, the core of his being is let it go. And I'm most like him when I just let it go. In Psalms, it says, as far 
As the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. What is that, what's that saying is that there's only one way to deal with hurt and it's to cast it as far away as you can. That just as Jesus promised that as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions in that same way. We ought to have that same nature that when we've been done wrong, we just cast it as far away from us as we can. Holding hurt only destroys you. It's a, if you've ever watched one of those shows like Hoarders or something like that where people start accumulating stuff, and many times if you watch those shows, sometimes they're really gross. I think I've got hoarding tendencies. I'm, I hoard toys. <laughs> if you walk into my classroom, it looks more like a toy store than it does a classroom. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Maybe not. Anyway. <laughs> My home is the same way. Okay, <laughs> I have these die-cast cars, and I have over 100 of these 118th scale die-cast cars that are all over my house, so it's pretty crazy. But I digress. That when we harbor that stuff, it only destroys us. It only will affect our heart and not that other person. If a lie it's a lie that hurt gets any easier easier by keeping it near. It's, it's just a lie. And of course, you know this scripture in Psalm, it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. The first part of that is to cast it. What does that mean? It says, if we trust him with our future, we can trust him with our hurt. And I think that comes a point with, because in, in any kind of crowd, Anyone can come and say, Jonathan, you don't know the degree to which I've been disappointed. You don't know the degree to which I've been hurt. And I don't. But God does. But, but just as we will trust God with our future, that no matter what degree of hurt or disappointment or letdown that has been happened to me, I can, I can cast my care of my hurt on him too. That just as I can say, God, I trust you with my future, I say, God, I trust you with what's been done, done to me. Partner with God to let things go. Now, when you look at the clutter of your heart and you're looking at all the things that have been stacked in there and piled in there, and say, God, I want to partner with you to declutter this heart. Here's the next one. And the second one and the last one, the clutter of rejection. So when we're looking at our, our backpack right here, I'm going to miss this backpack of heart here right now. The uh, clutter of rejection, and it's this. <clears throat> These aren't Nike, by the way. <laughs> that people will walk away from you. That, that spirit of rejection that spirit of I'm not good enough or something changed and what happened is that people are going to walk away. People will come into your life. People will leave from your life. And the enemy would like nothing more than to clutter your heart with a spirit of rejection. In John, this is a story of Jesus, a, 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 a story when Jesus, Jesus went on to say, this is why I told you 
that no one comes to me unless the Father enables him. He's preaching to his disciples. I'm going to show you in a second. He's preaching to a crowd of people. He's, the 12 are with him. He's preaching to a group of people. Watch what happens. And from that time on, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer followed him. That even Jesus in the midst of feeding people and, uh, cre- and creating miracles and praying for people and traveling to, to heal people and their children, that even, and he specifically in John right here was talking about communion, and when he talks about nobody can come to the Father except through me, that at that statement, people turned back and they walked away. And he asked his disciples, he said, do you want to leave too? Do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter, because he was smart enough to realize, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. This is powerful. Listen to this. You'll never make it until you know that you're enough. People come. People go. Friendships end. Friendships start. Relationships end. Relationships start. People come people go. But every, any time and every time that we tie ourselves to somebody staying or going, we'll always get to that place where we don't think that we're enough. And the heart of God for us against the spirit of rejection is that you're enough. Remove the power of what people do. You know, if we go out to Wilshire right here, No matter where you stand on that street, there's going to be cars coming toward you and cars going away from you. And it would be silly if I stood out on the the edge of Wilshire and started crying like, there's cars driving away from me. Well, yeah, they're going that direction. But then get excited. There's cars coming toward me because both are true. Cars are coming toward me. Cars are going away from me. That life, from now until the end of it, there will be people coming into your life and people going out of your life. And anytime that we tie our happiness, we tie our fulfillment, we tie our our satisfaction in life to who's there or who isn't there, we're going to be disappointed. People are going, can I help you with this? People are going to do what they want to do. And I think we torture ourselves into trying to get people to do what we want them to do. Have you ever thought that if they would just do whatever, if they would just respond, whatever, if they would just whatever, and then when they don't, you're like, I just wish they would. Do yourself a favor and quit placing that kind of expectation on people. There's really, there's only one person in this world that you will ever be able to control, and that's you. Everything else is a lesson in futility. This will help you. Many people don't think beyond what's good for them. And you know what? We're guilty of that too. That we a lot of times get bent out of shape because of what people do. And as I said just a second ago, I wish they just would have done such and such. But it will help you to understand that people are going to do what's good for them. And the truth is, so do I. So do you. So when we lower that expectation, 
that they're just going to do what they want, what there's, what's good for them. Then the expectation and, the, and the, that connection of rejection doesn't, doesn't take root. Taylor, if you'll come on down. Watch what happens in John. Near the cross of Jesus. Jesus is on the cross. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And in the next verse, I'm going to show you, it's also John, the apostle. Four people stood at the cross of Jesus. Four. Not Peter. Not Matthew. Matthew wasn't there yet. No, Matthew. Not Matthew. Not anybody else other than these four. That the crowds of people that Jesus fed with the fish and bread, they weren't there. This healing of children and mother-in-laws and blind men and lepers and lame people, they weren't there. The multitudes that he would stand in a boat and holler out the message of God's love, they weren't there. Four. So even our Lord knows what, it li- knows what it's like to just have a few, to have one or two or three, and to still listen, to still go forward with what he was called to do through the cross. And when Jesus saw his mother Mary and the disciple whom he loved, which was John, standing nearby, Jesus said to her, watch this, woman, here is your son. You got to remember, remember and understand that he is on a cross dying. He's on a cross having been beaten, nailed to it, crown of thorns. And in the midst of that, he ministers to his mother. He ministers to John. That his heart is still, because it could have been easy to say, this is it. This is the only people that are here on, uh, on my side. These are the only ones with me. But instead, he thinks about the the concern of his mom and those that were with him. Why? Just because he ignored the rest? No, but because he knew he had a purpose. He knew he had a destiny. He knew he had a call. He knew that there was no good that can come from being disappointed in what people did and, and rejection. Can I help you with this? And I think this is what Jesus did. Don't take it personal. That no matter what people do, don't take it personal. It can be disappointing, it can be hurtful, it can be hard to to deal with, but at the end of the day, and when the dust settles and it's just you in the mirror, don't don't take it personal. Your value is never determined by who left or who stayed. Can I help you with something? Full acceptance only comes from the Lord in your life. That we get, we get off, off balance when we try to place people in the same place that, in the place that the Lord is supposed to be. That he's the only source of full acceptance, full, full peace, full joy in our lives. Like forgiveness, let it go. That when somebody walks away, when somebody's decided they're not gonna be friends with you anymore, when a relationship ends, when, when people walk away, do yourself a favor and let it go. Here's the, here's the key, and I close with this. When I see myself in him, this is the key. 
Three points right here. Four points. When I see myself in him, I see I'm approved. So no matter what people do, I'm approved that I'm his handiwork. Simple truths. I'm approved. I'm his handiwork. I see the love that he has for me that that ought to be one of our prayers in life and one of the destinies of our heart, that God, I, I wanna see myself through the love that you have for me. I, I wanna see myself from your view. When we, when we see ourselves from God's view, everything changes. And the last thing, I see myself, somebody's winking at me. I see myself through his eyes. When that, when that happens, when I see that I'm approved, when I see that I'm loved, when I see that my, his view on me, it really doesn't matter what happens to us because Jesus proved that you can be nailed to a cross and you still can fulfill your purpose. You still can follow through with what you've been called to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment, Maybe you're in this place tonight and you've been dealing with hurt. You've been dealing with rejection. I wanna pray for you right where you are, but more than anything, I want you to open your heart. I want you to declutter your heart from that rejection, from that unforgiveness, that make it an act of your will, just as the Lord told me, standing in front of my garage. Only you can, you put it in there, you can take it out. Just determine right now that you're gonna declutter the things that have tried to clutter. Father, I lift up every person in this place that's dealing with unforgiveness, dealing with rejection, and I know that the Holy Spirit is ministering life to them right now. And so Holy Spirit, I know that you're going into those places and you're pointing out that this doesn't need to be there. This is not you. This isn't helping you. This isn't doing you any good. And pointing out those different disappointments, those different, those different hurts, those various rejections, and allowing us in our hearts to let that stuff go, to move it out of our hearts, to move it out of our thoughts, to move it out of our eyesight and let it go and receive in its place all that you are to us, all that we are to you. God, I believe right now somebody's, somebody's getting a revelation of, of the love that you have for them, of the immense and intense love that you have for them. And God, I believe that as they have that revelation, everything changes. God, I'm asking you for revolutionary moments in lives as they receive your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Have you had a good time?